0: Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, which is a podcast about the pandemic and other things that are related to the pandemic. The date today is August 22nd. It's a Saturday in the year 2021. My name is Tom and I'm not any kind of expert.
1: Hi, my name is Rat. I'm also not an expert on the coronavirus, but I'm also here on August 22nd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This very day.
1: Somehow here talking with you.
0: How are things going since last we recorded, which was a very long time ago? Yeah, I,
1: I, I feel like that might have been a month ago that we last recorded. It's different. I feel like pandemic-wise, it feels a little different because I feel like the last time <laughs> we recorded, there was, how do you say this? Hope. There was <laughs> hope <laughs> that maybe there would not be as much pandemic. Um, just like kind of whispers of like, hey, you know that Delta variant that's probably going to be a problem. Who knows? Um, it's a problem now.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty big problem. In fact, cases in the United States are more than twice as high as they were a year ago.
1: Yeah, so you could say, you one could say that it's a worse problem than it was a year ago. But many places and institutions are not responding as they did even a level of response as they did a year ago.
0: Uh, yeah, for for one thing, I um I just habitually because we were, I was mentioning case counts, opened up the NewYorkTimes.com dot com to see the um the graph of cases and deaths and vaccinations that has appeared on their website in some form for the past you know eighteen months or so. Um, and it's not there. They have stopped prominently displaying it. I, I can still go to like the URL for more information. I think. But, yeah, no. they yeah, the coronavirus map and cases is still available, but it, it's no longer a prominent feature on the front page of the website. Uh, it was yesterday. It's not today, Weird.
1: yeah, and that's, um, I don't know if this was spoken on the podcast, but, like, I do remember maybe it was at the beginning of the summer but months ago I was sort of like signaling well since the COVID pandemic isn't as much of a thing anymore maybe we don't need to do this podcast and I guess it's reached its natural end but (laughs) but we did keep going and it's still happening and it's weird I feel like to be kind of like mentally adjusted to like this is just the way things are now even though it's still I don't know it's like an apocalypse that keeps happening it's it's like this is it this is the world now but it feels like it should be more urgent but nothing is responding urgently it's like kind of, we're, we're oozing back into, you know, the regular ways our, our society is broken are just like oozing back into, okay, we can be, we can be broken <laughs> with a pandemic. Yeah, get used to it.
0: The thing that really worries me is that although things have significantly worsened in the past month, there doesn't seem to be that much of a corresponding push to reimpose restrictions. That have been lifted. People are still generally moving in the direction of being more open, doing more things, being more social, being around more people, which is a complicated thing because many of us are vaccinated. So everything is a moving target. But um, it it doesn't seem to me like there is a willingness to go back to wearing masks as frequently as we used to or maintaining social distance as much as we used to.
1: Yeah. So there was um, like an article I just read about this. And also um, before our recording today, i like was talking with my sister on the phone for like an hour and a half and being a parent of kids who are not at vaccinatable age, it is rough logistically and any kind of like being able to plan for things um, because the breakdown of like how school systems are responding to ongoing pandemic and teachers who may be vaccinated, but students who aren't, a lot of the schools are really lim- like nobody loves virtual school, but a lot of the school systems don't seem to want to do it in the way that people kind of were forced to last year and the fights where my sister are aren't about like mask mandates that's that's pretty much a given um but for in-person school um the kind of like local parent things that they're trying to push for are like simple things like having the kids eat lunch outside as opposed to in the building together and if her husband is an elementary school teacher who is vaccinated, but the school is like, if he's exposed to someone who has COVID, we don't necessarily have to um, either tell him or have him quarantine because he's fine. He's vaccinated, even though he lives with like his kids who mm. are not So it's like those are the kind of like energy where it's being directed as opposed to, I don't know, things where it really like a summer ago, like things on the table sort of felt like yeah, there could be, um, like, paying people to stay home, or there could be, like, doing away with certain kind of, like, standardized testings for students because of how derailing a global pandemic is, and, you know, standardized tests are really um, messed up anyway, and it's, like, the conversations and the decisions that, like, my sister and and her family are having to make are like they're really struggling with like what to tell um my nieces of because they don't necessarily know like are they going to be sending her to in-person school and if they're not going to be currently they're like well we're not going to send her for the first month but maybe it's possible she'll be able to go later in the school year if these and these conditions are met or if there's a vaccine or that kind of thing and the same with my niece who is in preschool it's just like trying to be able to they really want the social skills on some level and homeschooling is like so draining, but it's like so hard to be able to tell anything with certainty to like, yeah, you're a kid, so you're going to be doing this, this and this. And if you got sick, this is what would happen. And it's just not being able to know those kinds of things and not really feeling like the school system has their backs in any kind of way, oh. <laughs> um, either as parents or like as em- employees. Uh because that was another thing. Um Like, my sister had been on maternity leave, and I don't know if you can call this pandemic-caused, but to me it feels that way. Like, if she had taken a part-time job with the school system, they could keep her position, but because logistically that couldn't work out with, like, childcare and everything, she lost that position, uh, which they'll be fine with financially, but it's like, oh, oh, okay— I guess that's fine. (laughs) I guess that's fine. You know, uh, insert name of the county school system. Sure. You can lose teachers that way. It's it's fine and normal. And
0: yeah, yeah. Hmm. Just
1: a lot of a lot of like planning things that really sounds like it sucks to be parents right now, at least yeah, from that degree of separation to like being being involved in the lives of like young kids, it sounds very stressful.
0: Yeah, you know, just yesterday I was at a uh, family cookout with um, a, a number of extended family members, including my cousins who are ten, mm-hmm. and they are going to a camp as of today, like a summer camp, a one week summer camp. Um, but they heard over the phone yesterday late in the day that, I don't know, it was like some, someone at like a, a school that they were at or like a, a program that they were at had recently had been in contact with someone with the coronavirus, mm-hmm. which meant that they needed to quarantine and couldn't go to the camp. Um, and there was an absolute meltdown <laughs> on the part of one of my cousins who uh, tends to have a very difficult time not getting her way about things. Yeah. Then there was a follow-up call that said, oh, wait, no, this is a false alarm. It turns out this person wasn't actually there that day um so that that was resolved but yeah
1: that that is definitely like that situation almost or without the uh whoops is Mm. what my sister is like worried about also for like sending her kid to it would be first grade yeah like saying you know like that scenario of like oh am i gonna get sick or not yeah is this cousin the um owl house opinion haver who doesn't like the owl house
0: uh yeah, I had I had a couple cousins who we were talking about animated television programs and I mentioned something about The Owl House or my sister mentioned something about The Owl House. Someone said something about The Owl House, which is a show I have not seen. And two of my cousins were like, "Oh my god, that is the worst show I've ever seen." <laughs>
1: I love that. I mean, I, I am a person who I watch a lot of kids cartoons that are, you know, their target audience is kid cartoons, um, but I enjoy them. So it's always fun to me to, to get the like uh, <laughs> on the ground, like you are the target ar- audience feedback.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like kids often don't have very good reasons for why they like the things they like and why they don't like <laughs> the things they don't like. Yeah. I mean, adults don't always have great reasons for those yeah. either, but kids especially. I,
1: I think that's That's fun to me.
0: Yeah, I've never seen the show, so I don't, I don't, I can't comment. Well,
1: it's on a, it's on a pause anyway, so.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe I could, maybe I could catch up.
1: I don't think your cousin, like, caused that, but maybe, (laughs) maybe they did. (laughs) Maybe they were. She
0: could have. Maybe.
1: Maybe they were going to keep making more episodes, but now that was the kiss of death.
0: Yeah. Bad
1: cousin reviews. (laughs) Yeah. That was one thing, um, that my niece got to go for, I think it was six weeks, uh, like summer school that was at the time it was okay you're going into first grade and you've never been in a school in person before definitely for sure you're going to be going to in person first grade but probably you're going to need some assistance with the like what does it mean to go to school every day um so the school system was offering like this kind of like summer program that was kind of to ease them into that uh-huh. and it now has ended and kind of looks like well <laughs> that that may be the only in-person school that my niece gets for the foreseeable future so nice that that happened um, one of the things they did I don't know if I mentioned this last time but it remains really funny to me um, some days um, my niece like wouldn't want to go to school and they had like enough flexibility that yeah she could stay home with like her younger siblings and and my sister and um, and the reasons given for why she would not want to go some days are they had yoga as one of the specials and according to my niece she didn't like it when they would make them put hand sanitizer on their feet and <laughs> so on days where she knew they had yoga coming up she would often say no i don't want to go so
0: my uh, my mother is a catholic school teacher mm-hmm. And in many Catholic schools, yoga is forbidden.
1: Well, for and and for good reason. If they're making you put hand sanitizer on your feet,
0: <laughs> precisely yes.
1: That's all right. Catholic schools. That's fun. <laughs> I don't know what that's accomplishing, but all right. You have your hard limits.
0: Yeah. Well, gotta draw the line somewhere. Even if it's completely <laughs> if, arbitrary.
1: Is uh like calisthenics, is that okay? Oh well when the, does it the, become yoga?
0: Well yo you, well the thing is I think basically you're allowed to do yoga but not call it yoga because yoga has its origin in a religious practice. Okay. Um, in a non Christian religious practice and you, you can't you can't do that in a Catholic school. Or
1: only Catholic. Only Catholic activities.
0: Uh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's all that's allowed. Anyhow, how are um how are things in um in, in your new abode?
1: Um things are things are very nice. Um also I remember like being kind of um acclimating to being around people again because I had just moved up to my new city. And definitely I like I think I think that I mean, me as a person, <laughs> uh I think that's a given that it's still uh that just my natural state to to be generally having to make an active effort to be in a household with people. Um, But I definitely like it's, been very nice having a you know it's been one month but I'm dare I say happy (laughs) to to be living with my friends and it's again the kind of thing where it's like it's hard for me to know like what the future looks like but I really if something like this would be possible to continue to live with close friends and have like a be able to support each other like that that's something i really enjoy to to be able to have that happen um and it's something that i could not imagine like if i zoomed back in time for Mm -hmm. uh, like my younger self that's not something it's something i maybe would have liked but it's not something i could have imagined being actually possible so it's interesting that is cool yeah (laughs) my job well <laughs> that's another situation. Um but <laughs> I'll 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 ask sort of how things are going with you as well. Um because my job is, is a whole thing that could be a whole thing.
0: Oh, okay. Well I wouldn't want to get into a whole thing. Yeah. Um you know, it's pretty good. I think since the last time I spoke to you I have I have gone to two different live theater performances.
1: Oh yeah, what two?
0: They were two different Shakespeare in the park things in two different cities. I saw um The Tempest in Boston on Boston Common, and I saw Julius Caesar in Worcester, Massachusetts, on the Worcester Common. So very fun thing to do.
1: Named after Jeeves and Wooster. Wooster? No,
0: it's not not even spelled the same way.
1: Whoa. It's it's spelled
0: Worcester.
1: Ah. Maybe they just don't know how to spell.
0: Probably not, no.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Massachusetts. (laughs)
0: But yeah, so that's good. Um, also, as of a couple days ago, I have finished the capstone class for my graduate program, which means I have only one more class left to do. Usually the capstone would be the last thing you do, but because of scheduling reasons, I had to take it now and mm-hmm. take another course in the fall. So that's what I'll be doing. But that should be an easy course, um, whereas the capstone was not. And I'm very glad to have that done.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm. I'm glad that That is finished, because it sounds like it was a lot.
0: Yes, it was very stressful um, for a number of reasons, one of which was that the professor died during the course of the class, which was a very strange thing to have to deal with.
1: Yeah, that really sucks um, to have happen, because it is a hard thing to adjust from, because Mm -hmm. you look to the professor usually to make you know, when wild, unpredictable events happen in the course of your class, you look yeah. <laughs> to somebody who can, um, sort of set a tone for that. And that's, that's really rough. And I, I'm sorry that like that, that is part of your experience, uh, getting this program done and, you know, just <laughs> having known someone that, that. That you have to go on from
0: well thank you but yeah it's um kind of glad to have the class behind me now yeah, yeah. i mean t- technically actually the class isn't over because it ends tonight at midnight but i have completed all of the work so there's nothing for me to do so
1: nice yeah and tonight at midnight then you can burn all of the papers <laughs> that you wrote for the class
0: there i don't of smoke i would have to print them out first
1: you have to print them out first don't burn your laptop.
0: Yeah, I could I could print them out and do that and have a ritual burning of, of my papers. I've, I've uh, never done that. but
1: Was your class, uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time, was it virtual or?
0: Yeah, so this is a class that was an online class that would have been an online class anyway, even mm-hmm. if not for the pandemic. During the summer, instead of doing full semester classes, they condense a whole semester down to seven weeks. So it was a seven-week version of what was supposed to be a whole semester class, which is part of the reason why it was very intense and difficult, I think. But, but yeah, I mean, the other thing was that it had, like, a lot of the work was about a group project, and I don't enjoy doing group projects, but I seem to keep having to do them in this program. Yeah. And I expect in my last class I'll probably have to do another one.
1: Yeah. And then you will have a business degree?
0: So I'll have a Master of Science master. in Business Analytics. Powerful. Yes, I'll be a master of all science.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I've asked, like, what does it mean to you to get this degree, like... Is it something you are passionate about or what, like, what is, do you think it means to you? (laughs)
0: Um, I would not say it's something I, passionate is probably a strong thing. I mean, like, um, I I would say it overlaps with things that I'm passionate about in my professional Mm -hmm. work. Because I work at a university, I have a benefit provided to me that I am allowed to take courses for free, which means that I essentially have the opportunity to go to grad school for free. So that's what I've chosen to do basically because I felt like if I didn't, I would be leaving money on the table Mm -hmm. because that is part of my compensation package. So saying no to that would be like saying no to a paycheck. Not exactly the same, but um, it felt to me like it was something I, I, I should do. So I looked at programs that were out there, and I looked at ones that were interesting and ones that were relevant to my job. And I picked this one mainly because it was relevant to my job. Because what I do in my job is dealing with uh, with data. I don't specifically do the things that the program covers. Like I don't do analytics, which is mainly quantitative or like predictive analysis. I mainly deal with constituent data, which is like customer data, like keeping records on the people that are fundraising constituents of the university. Uh, so it's not completely related, but there are skills that have overlapped. And so it has been an interesting professional development experience and also could serve to get me more money, if not in mm-hmm. my current position, than in some future position.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Yes, Yesterday, I was speaking with some family members about that. And so I've referenced these cousins several times. They're 10, 10 and 12. And the 12 year old heard me say that. I was like, what is your job? And one of the 10 year olds said, oh, do you work at Nintendo? Uh, which is an interesting. You
1: have to tell us if you work for Nintendo, you have to tell us. <laughs>
0: yeah i think she thinks i work for nintendo just because she knows i have a nintendo switch and i play it a bunch and i have i've have played animal crossing with them but yeah i um uh, i said no i don't i don't work for nintendo and i tried to explain in terms of child to understand what my job is and um i said but maybe i should work for nintendo i don't know <laughs> and then my cousin tegan uh she took her mother's phone and started trying to google for jobs at Nintendo Whoa. to see if she could find a job that would be suitable for me. And she actually did find a job that I thought, "Oh, I'm probably qualified for that." Wow. There's a data engineer position that's open in Redmond, Washington, so I could probably do that.
1: That's very good. You have a hype person. Yeah. Uh, in your family. They're going to they're going to get you a <laughs> professional development whether you ask for it or not. Exactly.
0: Yeah. The thing about working for Nintendo of America, though, is that the, the, the president of Nintendo of America is a man named Doug Bowser, mm-hmm. and Bowser is, is Mario's archenemy, so I find that very suspect.
1: That's true. <laughs> That's true. There would be definitely the possibility that Doug Bowser is just regular Bowser, but in, in disguise. In Doug form. In Doug form. the Rare, <laughs> rare Doug form. My job right now is also attached to a university institution, and I don't like it. Really? (laughs) And so I'm navigating kind of, I don't know, I guess you can say the cost-benefit analysis or like what I can do with where I'm at because I like the benefits that come with a university position, I really like that. And it would be nice to, you know, I just got signed up with their healthcare and they also have the kind of thing where if you're there a certain amount of time, you can get educational benefits and that kind of stuff. I've been training for the past month A different position at first um, they had me start as a cage wash person just so I could have that skill but my actual job was as an animal care technician and so the past two weeks I've been doing the animal care technician job and I do not like that job The animals are fine. Mostly it's mice and rats. And I'm in a room. And there are also 300 mice in the room with me. They are my co-workers. And, um, and rat is you. And and rat is me. <laughs> Uh, I don't go by rat there. I go by Arthur for mostly that reason. Uh, <laughs> because
0: it could be very confusing. The word
1: rat gets thrown around a lot and it would needlessly complicate things. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I do get along with my, my human co-workers and uh, my mice co-workers. But the nature of the job as an animal care technician is kind of... They, are very upfront about this that it has a very high turnover that it's the kind of job where kind of whatever needs to be done they're throwing that at the animal care person like if you're needed to help out somewhere else, they'll send you, or if you're needed to help out in cage wash, they'll send you. It's like your job kind of is never done. Mm. And that's not great for me because <laughs> it's both a like kind of physically strenuous job and like mentally you're filling out all of these logs and you're not really directly being watched by anybody, but. You're being watched all the time, first of all, by the mice, which are cool. I love it. Um, But with like research people who are going in and out and kind of can see what you are doing. Um, And it's just not a very good (laughs) thing for me that I think I would be very miserable if I kept doing and so I am looking for exit strategies that there are I guess different options of like how much I want to blow things up but like I'm looking for options of like okay could I talk to my supervisor eh, possibly about like making the animal care job like there are some things like I'm very short and a lot of the racks where they keep the mice are very tall and the rooms don't all have step stools in them so it's like that would make my life (laughs) a lot easier or if I could get transferred to an open cage wash position which is a physically strenuous job but at least like I feel I could do that for a couple months and be okay um if I did want to stay with the institution after your provisional period, then it's a lot easier to, like, transfer to other jobs at the university. Mm. Or if I want to, like, walk out, (laughs) you know, like, leave completely and look for something entirely different. So, (laughs) yeah, you've caught me. It is, like, probably this week uh, where that will all be sort of happening.
0: Do you think it's something where your supervisor can do things to make it better for you? Or is it just not a job that you can be happy at
1: i think it's not a job i could be happy at i think the job i originally trained at is one i could do and do for the you know um i think it's a six it's a six month like provisional period i could do that and be like all right with so that's sort of one of the first things is if that can happen (laughs) Mm. because there's just not a lot with the nature of the job i feel like can be changed That's a thing that's funny because all of the coworkers who are animal care technicians are like, oh, yeah, you must be so happy now that you're no longer stuck in cage wash doing all that stuff. (laughs) And me, (laughs) quietly, internally, uh, wow, I really hate not being in cage wash where (laughs) at least I had any idea of what I was doing. Mm. Um, So it's that kind of thing. and. I have a hard time when things are not working to express that and not let it get to a point where it's like either very obvious or like a big meltdown so I am trying <laughs> trying so hard to um, express that before it becomes like a major issue if only for like my own self oh. um, and I, and I believe that would be helpful to the um, department as well because the de- used to people having a high turnover in that position you know they can start looking for more people
0: huh. that yeah well, it looks to me like you, um, I don't know, you at, at least are aware of the issue and are taking steps, I guess, which is good.
1: Yeah, there's a lot a lot of time you have to think when you're in a room for eight hours and you are only the mice for company. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like Cinderella. Yeah. Do you want to talk about action items?
1: We can talk about action items. I have written down that our last time's action item was to read the novel on AO3, the fanfiction website. I did not read it again, so... I'll put that out there.
0: I um I did read... I didn't read the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I read the first chapter and about half of the second one. Nice. Yeah. And so far, I like it and I plan to continue reading it. Nice. But I am also curious to know... Well, first of all, um, I was under perhaps a misapprehension. I don't know where this came from, but for some reason I thought that it was connected to Vast Error. Is it?
1: I So I may have given that misconception in exp- describing it because I have not as of yet read Vast Error. So I don't like... No, but it may not be, and I should stop saying it. <laughs> but I think there is a genealogy of this kind of spinoff being influenced by the Vast Error universe. Hmm. I don't know how much, and I guess if you've read more of, of Vast Error, you can... Uh, Defer to that. Oh, I've read maybe um, thirty
0: pages of it. So
1: okay, so we're all we're all sort of just. Uh, well, but
0: but I know fumbling
1: around here. Vesser,
0: I believe, explicitly does not take place in the Homestuck continuity, mm-hmm. whereas this posits that it takes place in the Homestuck continuity, but hundreds of thousands of years and in a different part of space away. Yeah, it's or they say it's in the in universe C, which is the the universe in which the characters live at the end of Homestuck. Oh,
1: okay, then yeah. Okay, then I guess canonically or like legacy wise, it is taking place in a like an alternate of the homestuck universe and not the vast error. where I see connections to at least what I've gotten from like the snowbound blood is like a lot of the troll like. Cast ways of thinking of the the blood casts mm. seem somewhat influenced by how they think of the the ways so, the society is sort of structured, but again a little different in the vast error world.
0: Mm. Yeah. So for the for the listener who may or may not know. <laughs> Anything about Homestuck. In Homestuck, there are these aliens called trolls, and they have a very particular kind of social structure that's based on the color of one's blood. And, I mean, I guess it's it's a popular thing in in fanfic, too, much like with Vast Era and also like with this, to envision, all right, here's a different world that also has trolls that are like the Homestuck trolls in many ways, but have either the exact same or slightly different or radically different social structures, usually still based on blood colors and based on things about the trolls that are established in in homestuck but like reinterpreted or like what if history had gone a little differently or like what if different decisions had been made about how the society is ordered yeah so that's that's what all that means
1: yes i would say right now with the information i have that Venbra, the novel is set in a alternate homestuck universe but it is culturally influenced by <laughs> the vast error universe
0: that is uh yeah that's that makes sense and also it's all just the whole mishmash of, sort of weird like stuff and influences
1: yeah. so yeah that, that is at least the benefit of like this is not a commercial property or like big Disney or somebody is not gonna come in there and uh, mm. settle like parse exactly who has the rights to it for this
0: so what is it about this work that you find particularly compelling I remember in our previous episode which we did record almost I think exactly a month ago to the day you mentioned <laughs> that you were frustrated that there was no one around who would talk about this particular fanfic with you. (laughs) And, you know, obviously try not to spoil things for me too terribly because, like I said, I'm only a chapter and a half in. But I'm curious to know what it is about it that you find, like, really speaks to you and motivates you to want to talk about it with folks.
1: Yeah. um, More so, I guess, the moods I was feeling um, when I was a college dropout and sort of just returning to try and finish my last couple semesters at school. The idea of being a very fresh adult and just going out into the world and confronting like how to be as a person like that scenario and i, I guess the different ways Denbra and some of the characters respond to that in a, like, messed-up society, that was kind of some of the appeal to me because I I get a lot of, like... I steal a lot of, I guess, my um, ways of approaching the world from other other characters as if I'm a character. Uh, I sort of steal a lot of, like, ways I think about the world from things that characters think. Mm. And so it was something that was interesting to me, like, reading that as I had just kind of, like a stamp on like this is rats college experience rats eight-year <laughs> college experience what next um it, it was a nice kind of thing to help me think about that that's one of the things that was hard for me and remains hard for me to like yeah let's have a conversation about but Oh. Through fan fiction, I can just simply tell people read this fan fiction and then hope they meet in the middle and then never have to have a conversation about it and hope <laughs> that by reading the th- same thing I read and by you know, sending little thought beams that they will get out of it what I hope they will get out of it.
0: Mm, yeah. One, one of the things that I really like about it so far is that I feel like in the Homestuck fan works that I've read, one of the things I find a lot is people trying to, in some ways, copy Andrew Hussey's particular voice, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is very difficult to do. I mean, some some writers can do it quite well and others, it just really falls flat, whereas it seems to me that the writer who is writing this, I, I don't remember their name, is a very good writer and is not trying to copy Andrew Hussey's voice, but is trying to take some of the same ideas and concepts and write in a voice that is like what they are good at and what they are interested in. It's very clear. like It's its a work that is coming from not only a passion for the Homestuck material, but also for the writer's own. This is not a work born purely of love for Homestuck. It's a work that has its own things to say.
1: Yeah, that, that's also something I really enjoy as like a way to trick myself into, like, learning new things. It's like, well, I like Homestuck, but maybe I'll also like learning about the biology of sea creatures. (laughs) If you feed it to me through a story environment that is luring me in with the treat of, of Homestuck fanfiction.
0: Yeah, and you know, another another thing that I that I liked about it and a lot of what I like about it and think is interesting I'm always going to be framing in comparison to Homestuck itself. But Homestuck itself has apocalyptic themes, but most of the apocalyptic themes in Homestuck are about, you know, like um either a meteor hits the world or a hostile alien shows up and wrecks everybody's shit. Whereas Vimbre is, is that is that what it's Vin, Vinbre it, is that is that how it's pronounced? Sorry.
1: Yes. I'll say yes. I'll say it confidently, yes.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Vin, Vin, Vinbra is set in a world that is going through a climate disaster that everyone seems dimly aware is going to be the end of their society. And that sense of feeling is a, this is a very different sense of apocalyptic dread from what you get in classic Homestuck. Yeah. And it's interesting some of the ways in which their situation, which is almost like a comical inversion of our own, where they're dealing with global cooling as opposed to our global yes. warming. And the ways in which that society, based on, again, the first two chapters or first chapter and a half, is and is not dealing with that, um, seems like a like a really good satire on the way in which we are and are not dealing with our own apocalypse.
1: Yeah, it, it is nice, I mean, that to get um, that very kind of like specific, kind of world building that like Homestuck gives in a different way. Yeah, to give like a, you know, here's what towns would look like or you know, here's how individual people that you kind of get a sense of are dealing with things in a in a really catastrophic global clim- climate change situation. Here's here's like some of the day-to-day effects of that. Oh. It's nice to read about. Nice. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun global <laughs> Global disaster. That's what they are. Fun.
0: Now, am I right in thinking this is this fic is still a work in progress? I
1: believe so. Yeah. Um, the vibes I get following some of these authors on um, Homestuck Twitter is that a large chunk of it is written, but um, what is being uploaded to AO3 is like still being like it is being edited and then posted, but that a large chunk has already been written. And, that, and that's sort of what is being un, unrolled. That's cool. I very rarely find myself um, following like, even like, like Homestuck. I read that as it was mostly like it, it was done. It was over. It was not in progress. I, I don't often find myself like following a work that is in a serial format uh, just because it's hard for me to like follow that kind of thing. But by God, I'm going to do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have similar issues, which is one of the reasons why I have my, my various attempts to get into reading monthly comic books have had not not much success because I just find it stressful to follow a continuing narrative like that, where it feels like, oh no, I, I must not fall behind. Or but, or you can also feel a perverse sense of obligation, even though you're not enjoying it, because it's like, well, I'm invested in this and the new thing of the month is out, so it's time for me to read the new thing of the month. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't mean it's always a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very charmed. I, I've I'm glad with all the stuff you had going on that you found time to uh, to read some of uh, Finbre, the, the novel. That was nice. Yeah, you know, it
0: was mostly yesterday and today. I had started a little earlier, <laughs> but um, I read uh, chapter one yesterday and I read a little bit of chapter two this morning. So, yeah, so but, it's fresh. Yes.
1: Freshly caught.
0: Completely so fresh. So fresh. Do we want to create n- new action items to uh, to spur us to further action? Uh,
1: yes. Mine will be – I have so little I feel I can put out there like if it's an action item for me on a to-do list but what I want to put out there is eat and enjoy a soup that's the action item Hmm. find a soup eat it enjoy it
0: okay huh I did that last week but I don't I I guess I'll have to do it again this week
1: (laughs) you have no choice
0: (laughs) yeah um my um I guess my my action item is to meditate do you meditate do you do that?
1: the closest I do is, like, write in a journal. Mm. Um, that's, that's the closest I do that I find useful.
0: Yeah. Well, I have, I have been doing, um, I've been using an app called Calm, which has guided meditations. And I have tried meditating in the past, and I have found that it doesn't really do much for me. And now I'm trying it again, and I found that it still doesn't really do much for me. But maybe if I do it enough, all of a sudden, it'll start doing something for me. So, that is my action item.
1: All right. I, maybe the third time is a charm.
0: Could be. Could be.
1: Maybe if you eat soup <laughs> while you meditate, that will be the secret. I have
0: to unlock the secret to meditation the s- soup.
1: Yeah. The, sec- <laughs> the secret soup recipe.
0: Well, I think that, that's all. Do you have anything else?
1: Um, and we can end this episode as we end every episode of the Social Distance Warriors by staying distant.
0: And also by going in the distance.